Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the jazz session. I'm Jason Crane, and would you please welcome Kyoko Kitamura and Jen Baker. Thanks, everybody. We're uh, at the Downtown Music Gallery at 13 Monroe Street in uh, Manhattan in New York City, one of the great spots to uh, to buy music here in the city and to see uh, adventurous live music. And uh, Jen and Kyoko, it's great to have you both here. Thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. So I saw you guys here before uh, in this very spot and uh, was amazed by how uh, kind of intimate a conversation you were having. And so I wanted to ask if you could kind of let us go behind the curtain a little bit and talk about what's actually happening up here between you in terms of the kind of split between composition and improvisation as we're listening to you play. And either of you can can start. Oh, I guess I'll start. Okay, <laughs> since the microphone has been thrust at you, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I think that, uh, and I think Kyoko will agree with me, that as soon as we met, we kind of had a, an immediate chemistry that allowed us to have really easy, open communication. And um, we just, you know, we just kind of like talking about the same things. And it made um, composing and improvisation a very simple thing. It was just kind of a an add-on, I guess, to... Our conversation is and that a result of having kind of a, a shared frame of reference you have kind of a similar musical experiences that made that possible or similar life experiences or well we did play one time before we started this duo twice did we do two times Andrew Drury's group right and then we did something at um, uh, Douglas Street Music Collective where so there were when we are side persons working for the same people I think that's when we get to see some of the musical aspects. And then through uh, similar side person experiences, it allows us to choose who we want to be, um, who we want to work with as a duo. And sure. it was, and Jen and I just worked. So, Do you find that between you as a pair, you've developed some shared vocabulary, musically speaking? Um, by composing, what we are trying to nurture is the growth of the vocabulary. And I think through working, we are getting that vocabulary, and that will change. Yeah, I mean, we we kind of go in different directions, um, personally, as well as the music we play ends up going in a lot of different directions. Sure. So I think we're still um, develop. It's a very exciting time, I think, because it's all in its developmental stage. Yeah. So there's still. It sounds like really the opportunity for surprise well, in every sure. performance. Absolutely. And yeah. I think as improvisers, that's what, what we always want. We want to surprise ourselves, and we need somebody who's going to drive us in that direction. For me, Jen kind of pushes me into these areas where I'm not really comfortable. And when I'm uncomfortable, that's when new things start to appear. And Jen's, Jen's perfect for that. That's great. Well, and I would agree, too, because Kyoko also takes me into places I wouldn't go by myself. So I think that's part of the instant chemistry. <laughs> That we get. You That's fantastic. Like we're being nice to each other. Right. We're on radio. Right. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was promised a fight, and there's no fighting happening whatsoever. This is a letdown. I was hoping this would be my first explicit rated thing in iTunes, but it hasn't, you seen it hasn't happened yet. at all. Happen. This is very disappointing. Well, uh, so before we gear up for any real blows or anything, maybe we can uh, we can hear you play something, and I'll Absolutely. step out of the way. Okay. So this is basically. Um, it's structured improvisation. We have something like this, and it's, it's easy and open and organic, and it's a great way to sort of test out the space because we also need to know how the space and the sound 
changes what we do. It's going to be a nice, relaxed, easy piece where we test out the sound.
Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Thanks. It's one thing we can't talk about. Yeah, here. that's why <laughs> we, we do these things in the beginning just to. Oh, have a seat unless okay. you prefer to stand. Right. So uh, d before you move that, though, okay. you provided me with both a good joke and a good question. Okay. So you did this. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do a structured improvisation. Here you go. <laughs> and, uh, which is basically like taking the Rosetta Stone and just flashing it at someone and saying, yeah, look, it's just words. So can you tell us what, first of all, no one could actually see what you were showing them. So tell us okay. kind of what the structured improvisation just was that you flashed at us. We were going to do something with long tones. Okay. And which is a relaxing way to get into the space and also hear how the sound works with the different walls and the CDs and people. And so can you tell people what this piece, the end of this, by the way, I keep forgetting. Right. So it was, it. it just, the first words that, that, that's written here is, take time to find unison. So we did long tones and we got into a unison. And unison with trombone and voice, I think, is a very interesting combination. You can't really tell which instrument is which. So we like that. And we went from unison into a long tone improv using, that's what it is, improvisation using long tones. And then it says staccato on same pitch and combine it with long tones, which we did. And then slightly move up and down, which we did. And then angular improv. And then it says slow and diminish long tone back into unison. So that was the basic structure of this improv. Now I look at this kind of uh, there's a there's a book and a fairly famous question about unweaving the rainbow, which is once you know how a rainbow is made, doesn't it make it less wonderful? I think the answer is exactly the opposite. That once you know the incredible intricacies of creating a rainbow, it's even more amazing that it could happen. Uh, and I kind of feel about this the same way that rather than exposing a magical trick and it's not so magic anymore, I think this is fascinating because it shows how you use, I mean, those are just a bunch of totally standard English words that you then turn into this totally new expression of those words through this kind of shared musical language, which is really fascinating. Um, and so I guess that, that leads me to ask, how do you even know how do, how do you even decide what it is that you're going to do? How do you decide which words to put on paper? How do you, do you have some picture in your mind of what that might sound like as it, as it happens? No. And ev I think every time Jen and I do this, it'll be different. Every mm. time I do this or Jen does this with somebody else, it'll be different. And that's the beauty of working with great improvisers like Jen, because every time there would be surprise. If there is no surprise, then it's not interesting anymore. Then I would probably throw this piece out. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Jen, can I uh, can I ask you? In fact, I'll ask the same question of both of you. You both have developed language on your instruments that is uh, maybe what we might call extended technique beyond what people normally do using the human voice and using the trombone. And I've heard you in several different contexts where I've I've heard that as the case. Can you talk about where your interest in finding what else the trombone could do started? Oh, where it started? Yeah, oh. if you can remember. <laughs> <laughs> I was a sophomore in college the first time I saw a group of musicians that really just knocked me over, just killed me. <laughs> um, and, and they're actually a New York brass quintet. They're okay. called the Meridian Arts Ensemble. Just it, it really changed my life to hear a group of musicians who are taking music and making it more visual. They were actually just reading notes. They weren't even improvising. They were reading the notes, but what they did to make it effective was to um in their in their rehearsals they would get up and jump around on um maybe even yell at each other while they're singing their their music to each other um they might throw chairs they might you know leave their instruments packed in cases and 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 just go at it instead of you know with their instruments just with their voices 
And that took a huge um, effect on how I thought about how music could be made. So after that, I mean, years went by before I even tried improvisation. I was doing classical music, and um, I thought that I, you know, that was going to be my direction. And then I discovered free improvisation that didn't have to do with chords in, in jazz. So then it, it became really interesting to me to, to actually try new um, concepts. And um, so that's, I guess that's where it started. And is, is, that, <laughs> is that as simple as you in a practice room seeing what kinds of sounds the trombone can make and where you can take the instrument? How do you get from, I'd like to see what I can do, to actually doing it? Um, I think a couple of people along the way said, oh, you can play any notes you want to, to me in, in a rehearsal somewhere here or there, you know, doing some kind of avant-garde piece that had maybe one measure of free improv. And I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll just play whatever notes. And, and they sounded okay. Right. They, they actually worked. And then I took it a step further and started doing, you know, air sounds or, or throaty sounds or this or that. So then the whole idea of texture coming through the trombone changed and didn't have to just be one timbre. So can you say a little more about that? What other what what options are there? Oh, well, I mean speaking? air air sounds, I mean go on a lot and you know, just making sounds with air without vibrating the lips and not making a, a traditional tone on the instrument. And then there's all kinds of ways to mess with that traditional tone to make it sound like different kinds of timbres. You could really squeeze it and make it sound nasally, mm. or you could make it sound um, flat almost. Um, and I also love to sing and, and do multiphonics through the trombone, which has opened up an, an entirely new field for me. Which is where you play a pitch and you sing another and they kind of create harmonics right. above that? Okay. Yeah, exactly. Great. So, uh, Kyoko, can you maybe field that same question? Just talk mm -hmm. about how you decided to start experimenting with your voice to see what else it could do. I started out as a piano player, and so and and voice. Unfortunately, I don't have too much of a training in voice, but I was very fortunate to be able to work as a side person vocalist for uh, musicians like Reggie Workman mm. and Steve Coleman, and currently I work with Anthony Braxton, and it's the sideman work that I have which pushed me into different directions. And um, because I don't, I, I'm not exactly trained in the classical sense, I didn't have an expectation of the voice. And I tried to fit the voice in the way that the instrumentalist may have wanted it. And to do that, even today, for example, I would read newspaper words backwards and I would record it and it would be, come out signing, uh, uh, things like that. I would record it and I would listen back and see what works and I would take out sounds from that. Um, that I could use in improvisation. And there are things that I do. Um, uh, at home, I would study like Babbitt sonatas on piano. Uh, not sonatas, but yeah, Babbitt piano pieces on, on, um, on piano. And I will see if I can sing those intervals. Mm. And I would record that and take out what might work in an improv situation. It's so, it's always a try and error. And the important thing, I think, for me is not having expectations of what a voice should sound like. Do you have, uh, despite having just said that about not having expectations, do you have what we might consider in a more traditional sense kind of licks or certain words or sounds that you know you can go to for a particular effect? Do you have, a, I guess, a vocabulary or a language that you develop at um, this point? I think so. If, if, 
I want to sound like I like like zombie voices. I would go, <laughs> so that would be in my vocabulary. Right. I, I love zombie movies. I would, you know, <laughs> I am so jealous of Mike Patton. I think he did the zombie voice, right? Right. Ah, right. oh, that's a gig I would love, <laughs> and I'm gonna publicize it here. I would love to be a zombie voice in a movie, and go. <laughs> You know that that's something I would love to do. So that's like a vocabulary that I might use. That's on fantastic. Gen. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, aim high. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before you eat my brain, can you play us another piece? Sure. <laughs> Well, the, well, the whole purpose of this is that we don't need any cues. We're supposed to be conversing together. Yeah, especially on a you know a podcast recording. We're supposed to, we rehearsed this once. I know, Kyoko. Well, we rehearsed it more than once. And you were dripping but and dripping, I was dripping all these things on my living floor that I had to wipe after you left. Did you know that? <laughs> you know, Kyoko, that was condensation. No, it was not. That was that. That was, not. That. It was, it was condensation. <laughs> and I should have put if newspapers you have a problem with that. Maybe you should keep playing singers. Stomp, 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 stomp,
Finally, we got the battle we were promised. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, so tell us what we just heard. That was a piece called Kitchen Talk. And uh, we, we wrote some very tight unison lines, almost as if it's going to go into a tightly unison kind of, you know, hard rocking tune. But it doesn't. It goes into words. And I think one of the things that I've, I enjoy doing is the voice is the one instrument that can form words that people can understand. And I like to use that in improv, and Jen's great at that. So that's an element that I always like to try to bring into improvisation. Plus, it sounds, Jen, like you're able to draw on the natural tension that exists between the two of you to really make that piece <laughs> oh, work. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'll just take it and run. <laughs> Now, so when you got to the point where you started speaking, uh, Jen, can you tell us what, what kind of direction did you have? Did you already know that what you were going to do was just uh, have a faux argument? Yeah, I did. Um, what we were hoping to do was to take from what we had performed. And, you know, I, I gave uh, – well, let me back up. We we were going to just kind of mess with each other a little bit about, okay. you know, give each other grief over what we had just played and um, – I made a really big mistake at the very beginning, which was great because Kiyoko could then slam me on it. And that was too late for her to get right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right, right. So she gets her just dessert that way, or maybe I do. I can't remember which way that goes. Right. So you know, and then we we try to use that um, the words as a vehicle to go back into playing improvisationally. So kind of maybe we didn't do it as much this time but sometimes you know we'll we'll kind of go back and forth quite a lot between the playing and the speaking yeah so there's almost a fusion of of the instrumental and the um and the words sure yeah it's interesting because uh even though i knew you were kidding like i'm the kind of person i can barely watch curb your enthusiasm because the like fake tension that exists in that show is like almost more i can't just watch people having tension so even (laughs) though i knew you were kidding it's interesting because just having that fake argument in the middle colors everything that comes after it you begin with this kind of beautiful sunshiny we're all in unison thing and then all of a sudden the whole emotional dynamic of the piece changes following that even though we know you're faking yeah (laughs) (laughs) we weren't (laughs) <laughs> right. Oh, right. Sorry. Yes. Now you're faking. You're faking liking each other. Right. Sorry. My mistake. My mistake. A part of what's so fascinating to me is that you two are really performing now with no. I mean, there is no net. There is no context being created for you, other than what the two of you can create. You're the only sources of sound and music mm-hmm. in this performance. There's no chord structures to. Well, there's no. There's no one making any chords behind you. There's no one keeping any rhythm behind you. Does that? F- force you into a place where listening just becomes the kind of the paramount thing that's happening? Oh, sure. And I think, you know, we have to go with, if if Kyoko is going in a certain character, I, you know, I really need to go with that or make a choice to go a totally different direction and have those diverging characters happening at the same time. But it's always, um, it's a much more 
I wouldn't say tense, but almost tense dynamic. So that anything one of us does is going to affect how the whole thing works. Yeah, there's kind of no coasting. Right. Yeah. Which is, I think, what we both really love about it. (laughs) Sure. Because, you know, you just have to be really focused and and ready to, to jump in any direction at any moment. Yeah, we always talk, or many people talk about jazz being kind of the art of the present moment. And it sounds like this is exactly oh, sure. that. Yeah. Is there some kind of base in tradition that one or both of you is drawing on to perform this music? Is there something, Is are there things that you have to model this kind of collaboration on? We don't really have... <laughs> I that's the one thing about voice and trombone is if you have like a jazz piano trio there's so much tradition that you could listen to and draw from for us for example recently um was it we speak etruscan was that the t- title oh, of the right, piece yeah. right yeah. that um the trumpeter Nate Woolley had actually uh wrote about in his in the blog on um um he works for he there's a blog called New New World Records? What is New World, yeah, New World yeah, Records and uh, Free Music Archives. There's mm-hmm. a blog that he has. He introduced a song, a tune called We Speak Etruscans, and that was, um, uh, what was it, baritone sax? And it was a two-single-line yeah. two single instruments. So those are the things that I have to go and search and listen to and because there's just not too many voice trombone sure. collaborations. And so to dig a little deeper on that, what would be the point of searching and listening? Not, I don't mean because the instrumentation, instrumentation is different. I mean, but what is the... What are you looking for? Anything you... that I don't know, that I haven't mm. heard before, that I, that's what I love, that to find things that I haven't heard before. Because if it's just me, I risk falling to the trap of doing the same thing over and over again. So I need somebody to either push me or to really research written music or improvisation of other instruments to hear what surprises me and then try to take that into my own improvisation and compositions. Sure. I often hear musicians say they don't want to do the same things over and over again. And I, to me, that kind of asks the natural question about are there are there things you can do in addition to who you put yourself with, but are there techniques you can use, things you can do in the moment so that you don't end up always traveling the same path so that when one person does X, you don't immediately do Y? For me, a lot of that comes during practice. And when we're performing, I throw all that out of the window. Mm. But like I said, reading words backwards, doing the you know, um, re- trying to use the voice to do some piano music, all, all that kind of the training... I think comes into play to push myself into a different direction. Sure. How about you, Jen? Um, yeah, I think the process might be a little different for me because um, as a as I practice, I feel like I tend to practice whatever techniques are sort of in the next few months of my my playing experience. Sure. Um, and but as an improviser, I find that playing with different people, different musicians, you know, just really informal get-togethers and um, where if I focus on a certain person, say the drummer, for a while, then I'm going to play a different way than if I was just focusing on the trumpeter. And so what I can do consciously to mix things up so I don't fall into my my own fail-safe mechanisms is to change who I'm focusing on or what maybe there's like a a cloud of things happening over writing. Maybe three people are doing something and I could focus on what that's happening, what that's doing. So um, I try to change my focus. It's maybe similar to what Kyoko says, but in a different field, in a, you know, 
in the actual improvisation that I'm doing that. Sure. Yeah, that's very interesting. Can you uh, play another piece for sure. us? Sure. Thank you.
sitting uh, directly in the path of a trombone slide as an element of danger to this show that it doesn't normally possess, which is nice. I kind of like that. Normally, I'm in no physical danger whatsoever, except unless the guest doesn't like the questions, I guess. Well, what fun would it be if you yeah, wanted exactly. to danger? It's beautiful watching this slide just pass right in front of my face. So that looks like a tune that you wrote, right, Jen? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of easy to imagine like how Michael Jackson wrote Billie Jean, but it's harder to imagine how you sat down at a blank piece of staff paper and said, here's this. So can you talk a little bit about the process that goes into went into this particular piece? Sure. Well, you know, the immediate thought when I wanted to write this piece was I wanted to have something that is more about sustained tones. Okay. It seems like something that is not always in our vocabulary. So I wanted to really emphasize that. I started with that idea and began writing um, and very quickly came up with this this little melodic line on the, the front, uh, the very top line and then uh, a harmonized line to go with it. It almost happened synonymously. I mean, they, they were simultaneously. So sure. they, they um, each tone kind of informed whatever harmony I wanted with it. And it was almost like I was thinking of block chords. But I was also looking at the contour of the, of the line. Sure, yeah, which so, is super clear to see. If, if for, for those of us who can see the actual staff paper, I mean, it's a very, very clear shape. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, and I also love to explore air sounds, so that was something that I wanted to incorporate as an improvisation. Okay. <clears throat> so we did that. Um, that's the second line. And then the third line is actually the same material, but with the um, w- each line is playing the opposite that it played the first time, so it's okay. an invertible uh, counterpoint. And then, um, yeah, just kind of went from there and... It felt like we needed to have another to balance out the improvisation and another imp- improvisation toward the end. So we were actually improvising those those uh, a lot of those long tones toward the end. And um, I really like the idea of held notes, as as I think you're getting the idea. <laughs> if I could just listen to drones, <laughs> I'd be so happy. So it kind of follows that the the last measure is five long notes. As long as we can hold them. Five long, undetermined. Undetermined. Notes, they could right? be any. It ends up being any kind of chord. And um, the information that Kyoko had was that I'm really interested in the intonation of of those chords we find. Okay. Not at all with what pitches come out. Okay. I'm also really impressed uh, in all the pieces you've played in the way that you both use space and the the silences that you create. Just add, they are weighty in and of themselves, but I think they add so much more weight to the things that follow them. The way you, you breathe in unison, the way you stop and allow there to be mm-hmm. space, I think is very powerful. Feel um, free to talk about how you arrive at that. Exactly. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Silly of me, right? Very, very dramatic. Thank you. <laughs> Space, yeah. silence is part of music, That's and it. I think we both really love that part of it. Um, I, I'm sorry to speak for you. I, no, no, I, I do. just feel like some and, things and, are. And it's not with every and and it's not with every musician that I I think some musicians like silence more and mm. some like it less. And uh, Jen and I happen to value silence, and we almost treat it as another sound. Yeah, there was just a, a quote that I saw the other day online. I don't know who said it, unfortunately, but that silence also swings. And uh, someone else was saying uh, on this show that how rare it is, for example, to hear 
players lay out for a whole chorus, for example, in, in music that has a more traditional form. And that it it's a real sign of restraint and often I mean, it doesn't mean that the only way to be a musician is to lay out, but the the ability to decide that the thing that's in service of the music right now is for me not to be making sound. I think I think that's a little beyond just something you might arrive at normally. It seems like that's something that comes with maturity, not necessarily age, but musical maturity or just the experience of performing in a live setting. I don't know. You feel free to disagree with that. Too. No, no, I agree. It's almost like when I'm improvising, there's two people. There's one improvising, and then there's somebody else um, thinking more compositionally, trying to hear the whole thing. And if the whole thing requires silence, that's, I think, when I lay out. Um, another another <laughs> silence. Yeah. Another moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm in a similar, uh, I agree similarly that I feel often that the music is much better served with not so many players um, or not so many activities happening at once. And, and, you know, I maybe because I tend to get overwhelmed easily that I want to have not necessarily clarity, but um, enough information is enough. I don't need to add to it. So that's where I come from when it comes to adding space. Yeah, and it seems to me like when you hear silence you realize how seldom you actually hear it in live sure. performances when you do hear just two people. And then when there's moments in this room, when you can like hear the you know sound of footsteps upstairs or whatever, you realize how flushing, flushing toilets. Yeah. I was <laughs> trying to make it slightly more poetic, but yes, generally we're hearing the sound of <laughs> urine and feces going through a pipe. So, um, but it's all part of music, right? So, Hey, <laughs> dude, you, you open the door. That's all. That's, and I was happy to walk right through. So. This is yes, like that's exactly right. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. When given free reign, it's right in the crapper. Um, But yeah, it really, I mean, it really does strike you when you think about performances. How often does an entire band come to a halt in a piece, for example, you know, and let silence really happen? Does it make you nervous when that happens? Does does it make you think, I'm not sure what to do next? Or when's the silence supposed to end? Oh, never. (gasps) (laughs) <laughs> it's like, oh man, we finally arrived. Here it is. We've got some silence. Even if it's in the middle of the piece, it's great. I love it. Did you did you always feel that way about silence or is that something you think you've come Ooh. come to feel differently about? I I I think I've actually already always felt that way about silence when it comes to improvisation. And um maybe, you know, I came to improvisation much later than, you know, my musical experience was maybe 15 years or 20 years of experience with music before I started improvising and it was always about making sound so I guess maybe I really loved the fact that I could stop (laughs) sure and it seems like also stop in a way that you had more control over than whatever the composer whenever the composer told you you could stop in this sense you have complete freedom yeah absolutely how how does the fact that you came to improvisation so late inform the way you improvise do you think I don't have a really fast answer for that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we'll email it to you. Yeah, right. Okay. Right, right. I'll just read it out on the show. That'll be, yeah, that'll be much better than having either of you say it. In fact, I'm just going to transcribe this whole interview and read all your responses on the show as a dramatic monologue. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure I can't it will. I wait to hear it. Uh, neither, neither can I, to be totally honest. It'll be a good show to end the series on, I think. Um, yeah, and Kyoko, can I ask you about that same question about about what those moments is of silence 
are like for you? Silence, it depends on how much I trust the musicians I'm with. With mm. Jen, it's, it's not an issue. Um, there have been situations where I have been uncomfortable. So that, that I think it depends on how much I musically trust who I'm playing with. Sure. Uh, trust is a word that just comes up on this show over and over and over again over the course of the last four and a half years. It just seems, it seems to be like the bedrock on which improvisation is built. Is that a fair statement, do you think? I think so. And it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily trust on a personal level outside of the music. It's really in the moment. And um, does, it doesn't matter if I've met that person at that moment, but there's something musically that I can feel that there's trust. Um, then it works. So can you play us one more piece? <laughs>
Well, it's been it's been such a pleasure to to talk to you both. It's so it's so fun to hear uh, people who obviously enjoy and have a both a sense of humor and I think a real sense of joy about the music. Uh, my guests have been Kyoko Kitamura, a vocalist, and the trombonist Jen Baker. And if you please give them a, a warm thank you for the music this evening. Thank you both very much. Thank you. And that's this week's episode of The Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. Thanks to Kyoko Kitamura and Jen Baker for appearing on the show. Thanks to the Downtown Music Gallery for hosting the show. And thanks to everybody who came out. It was uh, it was great to see people there. And it was really fun to do the show live. I hope you enjoyed it. More to come. If you enjoyed what you heard and would like to keep this show going, please do become a member of the Jazz Session. It's very easy to do. This is show number 297, which means there are three shows left until the 300th show, and I am running a 100 by 300 campaign. The goal is to get 100 members by the 300th show. I am actually out of town as you're listening to this and, and have recorded this intro significantly – or this uh, – it's not the intro. This is the closing thing. I've recorded this significantly in advance of the actual airing of the show. So I'm not going to tell you how many members there are right now because I, I don't actually know in the future how many members there will be at this point. But I will tell you that I almost certainly need more unless a, you know, a huge influx has happened in the last uh, couple of weeks, which I hope is true. But in any case, uh, you can become a member incredibly easily. Just go to thejazzsession.com slash join, and for as little as 10 bucks a month, you can become a member of the show. My thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this program. They're online at respectsextet.com. Thanks to Dave Vrabel for the show's logo. He's online at twitter.com slash Dave Vrabel, V-R-A-B-E-L. Uh, this show, I can't remember if I just said or not, it's presented by allaboutjazz.com and sponsored by Matt Rock, our first official sponsor. And now, please, if you would, get out and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Bye. Bye. Bye.